Hello and welcome to the podcast all about Crystal Palace Football Club. This is For the Love of Palace. I'm Mark and with me is Chris. You alright mate? Yep. Yeah, I'm good man, how are you? Yeah, I'm alright. Alright, just <laughs> stressing out today, but you know. What so are you stressing out today? Oh, so much stuff to do. So much. I still haven't done it all. But here it goes. <laughs> uh, where did you want to start off today? What do you want to talk about first? If we start with the Youth Academy. Youth Academy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so obviously we're gone up to this year to Category 1 from Category 2. Uh, what do you think the financial differences are between having a Cat 1 Academy or Category 2? Yeah, so I was going to look, look, look at this. So generally speaking, because when you're signing off on a project like this, you've got to look at things like... Um, whether or not you want to make the money back from it, whether or not it is an investment, whether or not what you're doing right here is worth doing. Yeah. And one of the things that I kind of, I've been thinking for for a while, just generally, why don't like, all the kind of there's so much money washing around football? Why don't more teams have a category one um, yeah. academy? And I was looking at some of the costs actually. This so to just get enough up to standard, so the kind of the, all the building work and all that kind of stuff. The, the, they kind of said it's going to cost about twenty million. Yeah, that's minimum, then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's an estimate. That's what they've told the press. Yeah, they might they might think it will cost less. They might think it will cost more, but that's what they've told people. Yeah, as a kind of ballpark figure, it's a round number. So it's probably not a precise figure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> probably, probably in their own documents, they're probably it's like. <laughs> Point three hundred three 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 something two six. <laughs> <laughs> A less round number, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, and, then, and then things like um, the yearly cost. There's, there's a lot that goes on in having the amount of staff that I need to have to staff that place. Mm. Not just the kind of cost of having it in the first place. There's also a cost of, of effectively all the staff involved. Now, with that, I've kind of been looking around. I can't really find anything... Definitive. I keep on hearing people talk about a five million pound figure. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, I don't know where it's come from though. It's just everyone says that was five. Million. I think it's just people are just sort of guessing. It's probably around five million, but it could be two and a half, could be three, four. You know. Yeah, so, so the only thing I could find concrete is when it first kind of, kind of was coming out. Yeah, they, they were said that it was going to be upwards of around two and a half million. Yeah, and that it could be up. You know. It, and that was eight years ago, so it's probably increased quite a bit since then. Of course, yeah. Money yeah. and football. Inflation, everything, yeah. Yeah, especially with football inflation. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was, what, two or three, probably about three Premier League deals ago, so that's quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Especially the one one he's gone, it could be up towards 10 million at the moment. Like, well, some, I think some teams are spending that kind of money. Because the thing yeah. is, with um, the youth academies, is that... Um, that uh, effectively what happens is that it doesn't count towards financial fair play. Oh, right, yeah, of course, yeah. There's as much money on the youth academy as you want, and yeah. it doesn't count towards it at all, I think. In the long term, though, it would work out better for That's probably the, one the big academy. teams, especially, yeah. It's such a ridiculous academy. Yeah. It's because they can just spend whatever they want on it, effectively. Yeah, yeah. And then... Well, I've also heard that, like, the minimum amount of staff they want for a category one is 18 people that are full-time staff workers and I that 
I just think of how many different people that be. I see a few like coaches, managers, and they're going to have to for all different age groups a different sort of manager and coaches, aren't they? So yeah, so a lot, a lot of people behind the scenes that make yeah. it work. So if saying that, let's just say the average salary is about thirty k. Yeah, because you know there will be some people on a lot more. There's a lot of people on a lot less. Yeah, and to I've just taken that figure out out of my backside. <laughs> so that's that's half a million here in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. So it's a lot of money, is it? That's just for the people that work there, like let alone the players. You know. Yeah, and then, and then the fact, what, I'm not sure they get paid a lot. The players actually, I don't know. I think it's probably it's, there must be a set um, sort of a set wage for a certain age. I would have thought, and then maybe there's bonuses on top of it that get some. Paid a bit more each game or something like that, maybe. I think the thing is, is when you're below 16, you're, I'm not, I think they're quite strict rules. Mm. I remember, like, some of these people want to be in there from like eight until 16, so it's a big chunk of time. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're allowed to get paid, but they might get expenses or something. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But one no, of, I'm not sure about that one, to be honest, no. So, but one of the things kind of looking at when you're looking at a project like doing signing up to a project like this, let's just say it's um, that we're going to guess it that, that going from this to that I think probably a cat one so a cat two I've seen places where I think they, 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 it costs about a million a year-ish or yeah. a bit less than that I think maybe half a million to a million a year so let's just say that it costs about a million a year yeah so the the, the cost increase is four million more to do uh, this one to go so up just, level yeah. yes and then effectively if we're saying that then if we look at from the kind of the building of the new stand the, the new um, the complex, complex yeah. yeah that's probably gonna be 10 years until they'll have to then start to redo it and do like I don't know like add AR add or it. something yeah yeah <laughs> just to build that building just so yeah, just to build that building alone is what basically the fifty million pound that we got from, you know, Wambasaka's tra- transfer. There's some. Oh, it's like twenty million. Actually, it's not quite. <laughs> oh, see, oh, see, okay. I read somewhere different, and I thought it was uh, most of it was going on there, and then other things as well. But obviously not then. <laughs> yeah, so saying so the yeah, the youth academy is one of those things that yeah. So they, they said this project was going to cost about twenty million. Right, and if you say that's over. I just say it's going to be 10 years until they, they have to spruce it up or something. Yeah. It's yeah. just because it's, oh, I think actually 10 years is a bit, I say 20 years. So, so it's nice and even. So to say that. Depends what the so, upkeep of it is, really, I suppose, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. You know. Let's just say for the, for the sake of the project, it's costing us five, it's costing Palace five million quid a year to have yeah. this. Yeah. This, um, this new uh, moving up from cat two to one, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then if you look at so now this is the the um, yeah the the kind of interesting point is then the effect of this academy has to then this to make this worth it, mm. it needs to be doing better than our current better than than if we stayed at category two, yeah. Because uh, otherwise, it's not worth the money. You might as well just go back down to where it was before. Yeah, so we, need, yeah. we need to see signs of improvement and players that are, are able to break through into our team as well. At the end of the day, yeah. yeah so the um, 
or just players that we can earn money from. Yeah, 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 so yeah that's true. Yeah, from loan loan moves and fees from the yeah. loan moves, I suppose. Yeah. So if if how long have we been in the league now? What season are we on? Uh, seven years. Seven years. So in that time, we've we only had what, new youth players. Effectively, it's been Dan Rampasaka. So we've got fifty million from for him. Yeah. How much would you put? Tyra Mitchell has as a valuation. Um, with nowadays, uh, probably fifteen to twenty, probably like the money nowadays. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's got, got a big contract that he signed as well. So he, most of the times nowadays, you got to pay off the contracts rather than the player first. Really, and that adds it up to it as well, doesn't it? So, yeah, fifteen but, to twenty, I think, is fair. Yeah, so, so fifteen, so effectively, so so our current academy. Over yeah. seven years, because I think it's un- so I think it might be a bit un- unfair. Effectively, there's a yardstick. So, so if we say that divide by seven, so add those two two amounts together, divide by seven, we're saying that what's that? About nine million a year, effectively. Yeah, we've brought in for the youth academy. Yeah, mainly because of that one Rampazaka fee. Yeah, but if we're saying that the the upkeep, the kind of moving up. A level is going to cost us about five million a year, roughly. Yeah. So, in order to make this project worth it, you're looking at you kind of looking at. You need to make at least kind of four. Well, the four would be making from that so far if it's five million a year. So, well, no, because the point is, is that effectively we're looking at it from a cost basis. So we're saying this that in order to make this worth it, we've got to bring in like. Um, What's his face? Yeah, to make it worth it, effectively, we've got to be bringing in a fourteen million pound extra worth of talent. Right. Well, every season. Yeah. Right. More than our current rate, effectively. Not necessarily over on average. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be that that, that we ha- we get that one kind of magic player like like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or if if we effectively. Or that that we get a lot of kind of Jeffrey Slup kind of players, or players that are good squad players, but they're not necessarily they, they won't be the sold off. Yeah, for yeah. that much. Yeah, they'll just be with the squad and can play in the first team when needed, sort of thing. Yeah, all the good first team players, you know. Yeah, yeah. Effectively, that that means that we don't have to spend the money on doing that directly. Yeah, that's a lot of money to get this this kind of category status. Yeah, well, also the amount of um, players we've we've had to bring in as well. Uh, since going up to category one, just to compete, like with the the other teams in our, at our level in the in the division. How much that is, is that, or how much of that is the plan? Because well, I think that, that mm. to be honest with you, with youth academies nowadays, you've got to look at it. You're going to have the two types of players, and I, actually, we've got two good examples here. With Rampasanka was the player that that had been at the in the youth academy since he was eight or something silly. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got Tyke Mitchell that came over when he was about sixteen. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen from Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm. yes. Yeah, so and a lot of the, so I think you've got to run in both ways now because effectively you've got a lot of players, kind of especially the youth ranks, that will be mosing around. I mean, like a good example of that would be Eze that kind of was released at quite a young age. And yeah, got picked up mm-hmm. by QPR eventually. Yeah. That's the thing. They almost it's like uh, you kind of 
get them, get them sort of young from a, another team that's developed and that they've they've also gone from say the Arsenal's that Arsenal didn't want them, but they was young enough still for this other team. I QPR picked him up, played him for for three years straight, made him into a, a much better player because he's playing constantly against better players in the championship. To then well, get it's, a, it's, another move, it's, it's even that. It's players that effectively they 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 release their free agents and there's so many of them about that that talent evaluators aren't going to spot them up necessarily. Yeah, and some are late developers. Like yeah, that's the Good thing. Because uh, I mean, well, the likes of Wabsaka was a a right winger who just got converted to a right back and just dedicated his sort of like time and energy to learning how to tackle and end up being sort of a superstar at in that position. <laughs> like, everyone sort of knows yeah, him around he, the world now. He's, he's, he's unique, isn't he, really? Yeah. I mean, starting off as a winger and then changing that, what, 20 years old I'm sorry, to I'm right that, back. I don't think that's that unusual, though. It does happen at teams where a lot of players change from a position in order to break into the first team. It's, well, it's true, yeah, because, well, from what we hear, he could have been released or was on the verge of maybe being released. It's just a change of position helped him. Because <laughs> I, I think yeah, pretty much every youth player they say that about, though. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Could be I'm sorry, when, everyone, yeah. When, when Wilf was on there, there was a couple of times there was all about uh, they might have released him at different points or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would surprise me as well. Yeah, I think mm. it's one of the things that they have to consider everyone. Yeah. Well, I've got another question, though. What about, what's, what's, do you know what the difference is between the running costs of the top level one, like category one, to the was it category three, the bottom level, or category four? Um, Is it a big difference in cost running? I think so, effectively. So one of the ones that I did, I think I've lost the link now. There was a forum post that was quite interesting. I don't know, if, again, it's one of those ones where I'm not 100% sure if it's it's correct, but it yeah. was a... Um, Sounds correct. <laughs> kind of oh, no, thing. just, just <laughs> their estimates probably it might be a bit better than my estimates. Right, right. Kind of thing. Um, second. So, it's more about transfer fees. Yeah, so, this is a phone post from about five years ago when someone was, <laughs> was someone talking about Someone delved into it sort of thing, then is it out? Well, no, so, yeah, I don't necessarily know. It's Whether not or not it's true or... Yeah, it's and it's like it, facts. It, yeah, it's like a Barnet fan talking about how they've moved from different categories. Right, right. And and one of the things that um, he was talking about so a cat one. He was saying it's between two and a half to five to yeah. one. Cat one, they're saying it's between one and two. Right. And then cat three is kind of three hundred k to half a million. Okay. And then cat four, they're saying it's about two hundred k to three hundred k. Right. Okay. Oh, it's, it's a big difference. It is a much bigger difference. But then again, yeah. if you're in the championship, you could relatively run category two quite, quite, um, you yeah, know, so effect, like with the money quite well. But no. But the thing is, is, every team in the championship doesn't make money. They all lose loads of money. So they're always mm. going to be looking for third things. I suppose to they always buy money to get up quickly. I suppose a lot nowadays, isn't they? As well, a lot of money's being thrown around just because. The pool of the Premier League, I suppose, could be. Well, it's even things like I think wasn't isn't Bournemouth still in a category three? Oh, really? Right. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Burnley aren't. Did Burnley just join this year? 
Yeah, I, I did. I did hear that Bernie was going to go to Karakou One at some point. Um, I think I heard it like last year, but I'm, I'm guessing it didn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I did hear that there was possibly going to go to Karakou One. Yeah, so I know Leeds as well. Leeds were looking to get out to crack, 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 uh, category one last year when they was in the championship because they got yeah. they got uh, told no a couple of years before that. Yeah, yeah. they've um, been the same, yeah, same, yeah, same kind of thing to us. Yeah, they have now. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the same for what happened to us at first. It's like no, you have to sort out all this first and this, that, and that. Went away, sorted it out, and then it was a uh, yes. Seeing like. Uh, what about compensation for clubs? Is it still a big tribunal thing? Do you think, or like if, if um, you know a player wants to talk to another team and you hardly you regard them as a player that you want to keep? I'm guessing the price difference between the different categories. If you've got category one, it depends about the difference what, what, in price. What what kind of um, places you're talking about? So if you're talking about like uh, that one player that had. Uh, teams from Germany. If he's moving country, mm. you don't get anything. Oh, so it has to I be. I think. No, no, it's, it's, country. It's, it's, it's a rule within English English football that right. compensation one. So I think if you go abroad, it, I think you might still get some, but it's yeah. nowhere near as much. Not as much as what you got would have got from yeah. another English club, sort of thing, or British club. Okay. Yeah, so that's why that was a big deal about was it Seki Fires? Yeah, he moved between. Um, he left Man United. He went to a Belgium club, and then yeah, he was there for six months, and then they sold him to Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. And effectively, that meant that, that, that Tottenham didn't have to pay a fee to Man United. Yeah, yeah, because it was almost like a kind of it's come from someone else sort of thing. So it's like Man United don't nothing to do with it now. Yeah, and mm. sold him for a lot less than what the tribunal would have been. Yeah. And then somehow he ended up at us and he was shocking. Yes. <laughs> yes, I understand why Man United let him go. <laughs> well, no, because I don't know if I'm particularly happy about letting him go either. Oh, no, as far but, as I know, I remember he was quite highly rated there. Yeah. And just, it was just like he was, I'm guessing he thought he was better than what he was and he decided, I said, I'll go get first team football in Belgium. And that was it. <laughs> just went downhill from there, I guess. Somehow got a top the move though, which is quite quite a good move yeah you know I think there's a lot of talk that that was almost yeah Mm. they were accused by Man United of lining that beforehand right Mm. they didn't even try to sue them at one point or something or talking about it because what they're they're accusing them of doing is is almost having it pre-agreed with the Belgium club and the player that that, that's what they were going to do oh really Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Well, so is there any way of proving that? That's the thing. I'm guessing not at the time, I, I unless, unless it went through. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't think anything happened at the end, actually. Mm. But it, I there was a lot of kind of accusations from the Man United side. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. They, they they've realised they let go of and got nothing from the player six months yeah. later. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Okay, and anything else you want to talk about, um, Category 1, uh, or in, in general, the youth teams? Well, I think the, the, I think the, the kind of summarising point here is, is that, yeah, we're run by kind of business people, even if they're not necessarily going to expect to get a return. Yeah. The idea that they would then 
it's either that they expect they kind of think that Rampazaka was a one off one off and a fluke and actually that the, their expectations are much less yeah or they're expecting you know kind of 15 million pounds worth of talent every year coming from the youth academy yeah and making money that way well not necessarily making money maybe saving money because effectively it's the money you're not spending on transfer fees and you're That's not spending all wages as well actually well, effectively, well, yeah wages are a big thing as well I guess yeah because yeah because often young players are cheaper wage wise yeah well, that's the thing. Like, um, did you want to talk about the owners now, or do you carry on with the thing with the youth talk? Because if we talk about investment, like, it's I've heard different things about new investors coming into Palace recently, yeah. but I know nothing about them. Trying to get off a break. Yeah, so we we have a break and then back. and then come back do that one after. Yeah. Yeah. Right, is there anything else uh, of youth talk? No. Like any players you want to see if anyone like should look out for or anything? I was just looking at the cost really. I was going just just, just seeing going for the cost yeah. and how it's run. We can yeah. just because it, it just strikes me a lot of money if it if it is five million a year. That's a lot of money just in itself. Yeah, yeah. When you, it adds up as well, that's the thing. Especially now with the, like COVID times. Game time for a lot of a lot of young players. They go to say the league twos or the even non-league if they're like you know some of them and they're not well, getting any games at all because the games are called off, so they won't be getting the, their uh, opportunities to go on loan places as much. Well, I don't think it's just, that. It's just more the idea that, that that you're kind of yeah that, that that's a, when you look at the first, the first thing effectively five million is, is a lot of money. It's like a player almost. How much is? Well, yeah. If you talk of yeah, some players' wages, five million pound could be a first team footballer's yearly wage as well. Like easily in the no, Premier League for five million a year. Yeah, so effectively, so um, I think they reckon that the average for a Premier League player is about fifty k a week. So yeah. fifty weeks in a year, so that that would bring you up to about two and a half million. Just, there's two first teamers effectively. Yeah, yeah. So it's first, two first teamers wages that you're spending a year on the youth academy. So yeah, if you're doing and that. The thing is with Palace, it's nice to, like, for how many years now we've actually brought through youth players or at least, well, not in, not so much in recent years, like only a couple that we can think of in recent years, but before we've always been known to bring through our youth players and put them in the squads or, yeah. you know, and £5 million a year just makes you think we should be doing it a lot more now at the moment well, wanna... I think the thing with that is, is that you're probably not going to see the benefit for a long time mm. I think it, it, it might be that they're expecting that but they're not going to expect that return next year they're going to expect that return over a long period of time so it would yeah. be a thing of over the next 10 years that's what the average are expecting and they yeah. might give them kind of effectively a five year kind of it might take five years for the benefits to really be seen. Yeah. Whether it's like a 16-year-old science for us now or something over another, yeah. over like child or something to, to join yeah. at that age group, then yeah, how many years? He's not be hitting the first thing until about 21-ish. So it's good, good five years there. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's a good long time before they actually reach what we need them to reach as well. 
Yeah. Or, or just, generally speaking, just be up to that kind of level. I mean, how old was Mitch when he made his debut, wasn't he? Um, I think he was 20, I think, because he's only 21 now. So. Yeah. So he must be in either 20 or early 21 sort of thing. Yeah, so it's, they're not like... Yeah, they're not particularly... The same with Wamsaka. I think Wamsaka was 20. Right. Yeah, it's very hard to, to break into, a, unless you're exceptional, very hard yeah. to break into a Premier League team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've had recently in the last couple of years, obviously on our bench a few, we've had that uh, Brandon Pierrick, who's 18. And, you know, obviously we haven't seen a lot of him, but he's, he's come on, he's done, you know, played a little bit, played quite well. In his on his debut when he came on, played ten minutes here and there, and now he's on loan in Scotland. Hopefully, he could be the next, you know, still, the next big one. Be nice. Like he's still he's still only probably nineteen now. So if he was eighteen last year, probably about nineteen now. So, yeah, so, so I think, generally speaking, he's setting himself up well. I, I'm not sure necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's always hard to predict on those kind of things, and effectively, yeah, he's yeah, of course, in this kind of. Because, Keeps working hard, then it'd be nice to you know see what goes on because, like, I mean, he's quite young to get into a Premier League squad yeah. at 18, it would have been yeah, yeah. so hopefully, he carries on the way he's obviously played well in the youth teams and goes from strength to strength for us. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's a good point to mention that that, that he is breaking in, into the um the team at a young age and that. that mm. Yeah, I just, just need to see more like that. Like, you know, we, I think we touched on it uh, last week a little bit. The guy that's been on in our squad the last couple of matches that uh, Han Ham, yeah. you know, he's he got a bit bit of experience at category one level, being former West Ham player. So it's nice to bring him in, but he could be bit, like p- being played for the next one for us, really. You know. So he's been on the bench for the last five, six games. So, you yeah, know. But playing, um, what's his face? Yeah, playing devil's advocate. So was um, James Daly, wasn't he on the bench? Like yeah, three true. or four times. And then, was he at Bristol Rovers now? I think Bristol Rovers. So I think he, no, he's only, like, saying like, like under, I think he's under 20 still. So, could be one that got got away. You never know. He might prop up the, the leagues again. You never know. Because he, he obviously scoring for fun for the youth teams, wasn't he, for us? So, Yeah, I mean, that the, the being an unused sub doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're going to get... Get anywhere, sort of. Yeah, we're well, anywhere at, at Palace at the same time. Mm, yeah. Well, the, the big the big uh, thing everyone's raving about at the moment is uh, Scott Banks, isn't it? And from what I've seen of his... Literally a highlight... Uh, like, he's just a big highlight reel. Like... It looks amazing every time I see every little highlight, every shot, every goal he scores. It just like, he looks absolutely brilliant player. So I'm like, excited to see him actually, you know, come back to us or something after his loan spell and see what he does. Is he not another one where you, you think that well, that he's probably still quite a long way away from where the first team is? It could be. It could well be. No, it just. Um, just you know, when you, you see all these snippets, and obviously the Palace uh, YouTube thing puts them up, and the Twitter page, you see all these highlights, and you think to yourself, oh, it could be the next one, next Zaha to come through." You know, yeah. makes you think. Okay, um, well, did you want to take a break now? Yeah, and, uh, 
we'll back we'll in a second. Back and, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the your article actually. I think we'll come back and we'll talk about your article. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Yes. I'll see you see you in a bit. Bye. See you for the second part. <laughs> Hello, welcome back for part two for the for the Lover Palace. Yeah. Okay, so kick this thing off. Um, so Chris, you've been writing blogs and uh, articles, and and one about the the owners and the the investors that you did yeah. recently. So I was reading through it, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I haven't actually heard of or seen, you know, in, on the media about it, but. Um, yeah, apparently there was a new investor that came in called Robert Franco. Yeah, so this, this was um, it's something someone noticed on on Twitter. I think that, that he's now added on to the um, significant interest list. So effectively, he now owns at least twenty percent of, of the shares, or, or twenty, well, sorry, ten percent of the of the shares. Right, and, oh, well. and I don't really know anything about him. And <laughs> anything like there is a there is a Robert Franco that that was involved on um, a Glencore trading, right? But I don't know if that's necessarily the same one, right? Okay. There's also a skier name as well. Oh, okay. Kind of skier. Well, for ten percent of the the share, that's. Uh... He's got to be worth well, quite a lot of money then if he was a skier. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's at least 10% of the shares, so I don't know necessarily whether or not. Well, that's the thing. Like, from that 10%, who did he get it from? Was it from the Harris split sale or was it from Parrish, the 10%? I don't know. I don't know. You know what, about it, it. No, it's, not gonna, it's not been the press release even from the club, really. It's just yeah. it's been added to the list and then... It's not really been anything else about it, so I'm hoping at some point someone finds out a little bit more about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it could just be that he's been buying up other people's shares in the company, and effectively he's not because it's not these shares aren't publicly traded, so you kind of have to know the people involved and be able to buy it from them, sort of thing. Yeah, you have to kind of yeah contracts or, and stuff, I guess. Well, it's possible that some one of the, the companies had a. Share issue where effectively they created new shares to then sell to him, right? And that kind of that means that everyone else owns a little bit less, yeah. But it means the money comes into the company and the company then invests it. So right, there okay. was the even standard that was saying that um, he's been investing in the money that he's put in here is the money that we've been using for the youth academy, right? Okay. That's good. That was the next question I was going to ask, actually. But do you think the investment will be used for the Youth Academy more than the club itself? It'd be more to invest well, is, that way. I don't even... Because there's not a huge amount I can really say about it just because I don't know whether or not the, what the details are. So I can't mm. say either way. I can't even say that, that the money's gone back into the club and it's not just people selling their shares. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm not that interested in this anymore. I'll, yeah. So much shares to someone who is right, right, okay. Uh, so what about uh, our US co co owners, Josh Harris and Dave Blitzer? I mean, we've had them since December 2015, and yeah. they have a so called 18% stake in the club. Do you think if well, it was uh, them that sold, it could be their way of trying to get out? 
quicker or like slowly. (laughs) So the thing is, for them to get out, it's going to be an odd odd situation because you've got to find buyers. Right. And the the point is at the moment is that it's quite a complicated setup because effectively you've you've got a lot of different investors that that are invested in, in this as part of their kind of group. Yeah. So it's either that, that everyone's going to agree to sell at the same time and it's going to be to um, someone that's going to be selling, so it's not someone that, that wants to buy into a football club and spending city money to do it. Right. But I'm not necessarily sure that they're in a position where they... It, it's hard to know either way with them because effectively they're, they're quite quiet about yeah, it. Yeah, we never hear anything about them or from yeah. them, should I? So. Yeah, well, suppose I think that's probably a good thing because effectively they let Parrish do all the talking. I think do the dealings, yeah, and, and let him run the company. And yeah. effectively, this is just one of many things that they've got going on at the moment. Yeah, and effectively, I think that's kind of the, the, the thing is that it's not a big deal to them whether or not Palace do well or badly. Yeah, but they've only invested a little bit of their wealth in in the club. Yeah, because so, what other companies or teams do they own? Oh, it's- I think it's an NBA team or so for uh, for Harrison Blitzer. So for Harrison Blitzer, um, the Harrison Blitzer Group, which is kind of what we're, kind of what Palace are a part of, Mm. they own the Seventy Sixers, the New New Jersey Devils, and a shed load of kind of related. Um, teams that cover like a feeder team for the ice hockey and a feeder team for the for the for the basketball, and then there's right. a there's a lot of um, so they're, kind of they're, online they're gaming sort of states in little different things, sort of thing. Well, no, but, but I mean, well, there's a lot of different owners within those those teams. I mean, the NBA. So for on the, the Wikipedia for the, the NBA team, yeah. it lists everybody that's involved. I mean, oh right, <laughs> includes people like uh, Will Smith's one of the owners of that team. Oh right, okay. <laughs> so, so, so it's not yeah. There's quite a few people involved. That seems to be a similar thing with Palace. Effectively, there's a lot of different kind of very small people that have got a very small stake in, in the club. Yeah, that that have shares and, and are involved in this investment. Right. Okay. How do um, they like? What's this thing like? As if they they'll see. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, obviously, do they have any like? They have a little bit of say. Like, if they're not a full investor, do do say? They have, no, they have the biggest says, or they just no, a bit parts. Effectively, effectively, they won't have any kind of power. Right. So when it comes down to kind of making decisions or anything like that, they're not necessarily going to be able to put their foot down. Right. And like, what's the worst that they can do? They can say that I want to sell my shares or something. It's not. There's not a huge amount that they can do. And I don't think necessarily that that a lot of them are kind of that interested. I don't think. Right. I think effectively they, they've they've taken a punt on this, and the way that I would speculate is they've taken a punt on this, and effectively that they would be happy if they make some money from it but it's not a bad thing if they don't right and effectively they want to know about the, but the inside running of, of the club and they want to be involved but not necessarily in charge okay 
sorry, I think kind of. So it's like silent partners in a way. Kind of, yeah. I mean, but effectively, they're quite the kind of minority shareholders. I think just people that that, that are willing to give it a go and kind of it, it's then and the, the, the thing is, it can be used in kind of a, a networking way. So effectively, if you're because a lot of them seem to be kind of from the kind of private equity world, where effectively they're um, part of it, what they what they do is buy into other companies and and run them better than what kind of um, the current owners are, or kind of get rid of debts. Then the, it's much easier for the company to, to properly operate. Right, and effectively, those kind of um, people need a, a, a big. I think they need to be very good at networking and be able to know a lot of people within the industry. Right. So they're working within. And the buying a little stake into a football club is a nice conversation point. Yeah. But when they when they start talking to to, to a person that's kind of um like um so these kind of uh, private equity companies will be in, investing their money, will be investing other people's money on behalf of, say, pension groups. Well, there'll be an investment manager for that pension group. They'll then have to talk to, to them and kind of tell them how they're doing and kind of okay. try and encourage them to invest invest more of their money with them. Right. And it's good with those kind of people to, to, to have a good working relationship with them. And effectively, if they have a person that's interested in sport, they then can talk about, oh, I own a little stake in a Premier League football club or I own a little stake in, in an NBA team. And yeah, and that kind of can, can help you kind of... So in America as well, so that, that's, that probably draws a lot of attention to you and your company as well, if you say you, oh, you have a stake in a Premier League club. Because uh, it's a big, big thing over the Premier League, isn't it? I don't think it necessarily does. I mean, if you... It's something that you can drop in conversation, but the vast majority of them, well, for the ones that I've, kind of, I've been looking at, there's not many of them that are very public about it. Right. So, like, Harris, Harris and are the people that put, put a lot more money in the poppy than, than everyone else because they're the people that are, have over 10%. Yeah. So, to be included on that list, and they're, they're quite public about effectively the, the people behind behind this. Yeah. Whereas you kind of got the other people, the only other one that I can see that kind of mentions it publicly is that Michael Rubin. Oh. And, and he's, his business is sports, effectively. He's the um, owner of Fanatics, which is a kind of um, an online club shop for, and they also make clothes as well, for, um, for kind of um, the NFL and for... MLS and for quite a few different football teams actually. So, oh right, okay. So they do for the kind of club shops for they run the online club shops for PSG, Chelsea, Man United, Manchester City, Everton, Aston Villa. Oh right, so they're what well, they're like um, the, the template of their website sort of thing. No, no, it's, it's more the than that. They, they run they run the the club shop websites. Oh right, but it's their website. Football clubs don't like to to run. Like run things like a club website because it, it's a lot of kind of effort for, for a small amount of gain. Yeah. Whereas if you're a company that run, you can kind of you know how to run a 
a online shop better than a football team does because yeah. that's what you do. That's that's your job at the end of the day. That's yeah, your, yeah, your yeah, workplace, exactly. your work experience sort of thing. Yeah. So this company effectively is like the online re- retailer for all these different sports teams. Okay. They also they, they do they run the the kind of international kind of NFL shop, which has got really good recently actually. To be honest, yeah, I've looked at it myself. Yeah, <laughs> history has got really crazy yeah. at the moment as well. But it's, it's also the, the things that are like the the things that they're offering you now, because mm. a lot of those things are shipped straight from America. Right. Because it's the UK shop, you're not paying the American tax when it comes over. Yeah. Okay. So with, with this guy, uh, Ruben, like connected to Palace now, is he possible talks of him running our club shop, or we well, run it ourselves? So we don't run it ourselves. We we have another company that we seem to be quite happy with um, running it. So it's the what's their name of them? I think the Retail Sports Systems. Right. <laughs> they seem to run all the other football clubs that, that are kind of bottom half of the Premier League. Oh, okay. <laughs> or lower. So it's like, it's us, Brian, Sheffield United, West Brom, West Ham, Wolves. Yeah. I think it, it kind of, the, the generally speaking, the, the football clubs that aren't a global brand, effectively. Right. That aren't going to necessarily get the orders from all around the world that yeah. effectively, I reckon... The vast majority of people that buy a Palace top are probably buying them. It will be shipped to the UK rather than shipped elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to get the, the, the kind of sales that you would want globally to make it worth. Yeah, like but, like the PSGs could be all, all the way in Asia, or oh, Man- the Manchester United in Asia, and compared the to Palace, there'd be a small minority, probably tiny, but compared to theirs, theirs is hundreds of thousands different well the PSG have managed to become a bit of a a kind of almost hip fashion thing a bit like kind of like some of those teams in the some kind of NBA teams where people like the New York Yankees where effectively you see people that don't like that don't like baseball but they'll wear Yankees gear yeah yeah <laughs> but you know what I mean like, I think PSG has that kind of act that kind of thing going on at the moment. Well, the big thing with PSG as well, they've they've got the Jordan brand, haven't they? Yeah. And obviously Jordan in America and, and probably everywhere else is the the top quality line for Nike, really, isn't it? Like the much more double the price than a lot, uh, Nike t-shirt because it has the brand Jordan attached to it. And that's what PSG's got uh, with their, I think their third and fourth kit, I think it is. So yeah, so having that company that that bloke owns running it makes sense for him because, like you said, it is essentially a fashion brand, isn't it? That way. Yeah, yeah. So effectively, having being the online shop for them is probably quite a big deal for for the fanatics. I think. Yeah. Also, the idea that if we get a new sponsor next year, the idea of, of being sponsored by the fanatics, I think, it would be quite fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because at first you know everyone will think it's the all right, our fanatics so well, running it. <laughs> I've got a feeling that the, the, the fanatics wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Try and trademark their brand or something. Well, yeah, well, not necessarily that, but the idea that you know they're, they're kind of anti pudding football, anti kind of. Mm. That's true, yeah. Um, commercialism. Greed and commercialism, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea that then a commercial company has the same name as them and, sport, and then sponsors the club would be quite fun. 
But then they're still asking for grand if they call themselves something else. Mm. Well, yeah, that's it. But with a, with a K on the end, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, just thinking, uh, what are the advantages of having Harris Splits and Sports Entertainment being connected to Palace? What do you think? This isn't from Palace's point of view. Yeah, Palace's point of view, yeah. Is it more the, that, to get a public eye from America more on Palace? No, I don't think, I don't think we're necessarily we're after that market. I think, to be honest with you, it's more about the idea that they bring um, finances, effectively, that they wanted the investment. Right. So not to get the exposure, just to have the financial gain sort of thing. Yeah, the idea that people come in here and then... What was that? Oh, I think your phone's ringing. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. Lady Emily kind of got herself into a situation. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope she's okay, though. <laughs> she finally managed to wake herself up and then she didn't have a dummy. So I had to go. Trouble having kids, eh? <laughs> I couldn't find the dummy. I couldn't find the dummy. <laughs> uh, where was we then? Uh, what was it? Uh, Harrison Blitzer, the, the, their entertainment group. So it was, yeah. Um, like re, uh, good things for Palace to get from them. Well, effectively, it's the financing. It's the financing to, to build the new stand. It's the financing to um, sort out the Youth Academy. It's the idea that, that it will speed things up. That we could, as a club, naturally grow those things and naturally kind of get that kind of um, thing. But be, if you're doing that, it'll take us much longer because yeah. effectively you you can't kind of jump forward and do that. Yeah, especially when you need to invest a lot of money each year just on players, staff, etc. Let alone trying to think of how much yeah. how much money a stand's going to cost. I mean, just look at clubs like Bournemouth. Bournemouth had a lot of money, and in their time in the Premier League, this, the the youth academy I think didn't even go up from. I think at one point they were looking to increase it, but I think last I heard it was still kind of category three, yeah. and they're still on the same ground that they were in before. Yeah, they haven't. Well, since they come up leagues, they've they've made their ground nicer and put put seats in it, but they haven't up the capacity. Or I don't remember any youth players coming through while they was in the Premier League. Well, I wouldn't, well, to be honest, I wouldn't know, but at the same time, I haven't heard of any. I don't think, yeah, I mean, was the, the ringer not theirs, was that? We always uh, like... What, the, what, Fraser that's gone to Newcastle? Uh, there was another one, wasn't there? Brooks or something, or, or did they buy him? Oh, David Brooks. Um, not sure if they bought him, to be honest. Yeah, or, 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 or if he was you. Uh, a player that I've actually... Wouldn't mind at Palace, to be honest. Because well, he's, he's on the young side, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, yeah, if he'd come from the youth, youth um, academy, fair enough. But couldn't tell you if he was from somewhere else. Or, he might have. Or, they, they bought a lot of players that they could have been. That's the thing. They bought, did buy a lot of players to get up the leagues and to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, and then yeah, and then it all went to pot. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're doing a lot too bad at the moment, but... Uh, what's I gonna say? What's what's the motivation of only a club like Palace? What do you think? Um, well, if, if you look at the, they're, they're independently very wealthy. That 
there is no um, yeah effectively this isn't going to then it's nice but at the same time if Palace do badly yeah I don't think they've committed the amount of funds to the point where it wouldn't affect their, their lifestyle. It wouldn't affect their life necessarily. It wouldn't necessarily. It wouldn't be like. I mean, for Parish, it's different. If, if things went badly at Palace, yeah, it's his whole life basically. Yes, effectively, the, 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 he has a lot more kind of a much greater percentage of his wealth is invested in Palace. Whereas these guys, I feel like they're just randomly going around. Not randomly. They're, they're actually quite targeted. I think in some of the things that they're looking for. Yeah. Because if you look at the teams that they're investing in, they're very much teams from that have a kind of a rowdy atmosphere that that do come from kind of working class areas, effectively. Yeah. Because if you've got the kind of like the the the, the fans in Philly are known in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Effectively, and similar ice hockey with with, in New Jersey that there are. Yeah, so. they're kind of a rowdy bunch as well. Yeah, so they they like their atmospheres basically, and probably one of the reasons they they were drawn to Palace in a way as well. I think I think that that, that would be a, a fair fit comment. It's also worth pointing out. It might not necessarily be that they like it. It might they might see it as a a good marketing thing, yeah. a good kind of um, good way of trying to bring in new customers. Yeah. Yeah, and from their point of view, is that they're getting a lot of expertise within the kind of the the, the group by having Palace involved, where they could there could be things that they, they're doing that they're talking to each other yeah. about because there's a lot of things going on in American sport that don't happen over here and vice versa. Yeah, and look, one of those ones at the moment is exploding at the moment, and they seem to be in the forefront of is gambling in America. They're, they're not. Yeah, they they used to have a lot of rules that meant you couldn't really gamble, and you couldn't really advertise gambling either. Mm. Oh, now they're they're opening things up a lot more to the point where I think they are going to have. I think they're, they're one of the first NBA teams to have like on like a, a gambling um, presence within the stadium. Right, think where you could bet on the games would, while you're there. It would explain like, a lot about our last couple of uh, sponsors as well. I've got like a news alert on, on, on my computer of any time that, that someone mentions like Harris and Blitzer in a tag. It's oh. like a decent <laughs> size article, not like kind of a city blog like mine kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, every other week is it is a it's an article about gambling that oh, they're, they're looking to, to um yeah they get into sort of thing. Yeah, it's just going to be lots of different things about kind of new investments, new things that are going on with gambling. Yeah. But it's a, it's a new growth industry effectively in America. Well, I think, yeah, especially with the whole kind of um, pandemic happening, a lot of people are staying at home, so it gives them something to do. You know, not so much in America. Well, yeah, a lot of it's still open. There is, there is still a lot of people that are staying away, you know, of course. But... Yeah. They're limiting their attendances, but still... Yeah. Still, it's a vast amount of people going out and about. Yeah. Mm. But how, how did they make their money? What What was their background before all this? So private, private equity. So that's that's kind of where they come from. So, um, was it like a, a Gilo group or something? Was it? Or, or 
Apollo, Apollo Group? Yes, Apollo, Apollo is um, what's, what's I don't want to mix them up because in my head they're the same person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think it was Harris, wasn't it? Um, was the Apollo Group? Oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, we'll stop. So I stumped you with this question, am I? Yeah, no, I thought it's off. Yes, Harris is 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 Harris is, is the um. Apollo, so he's one of the, the fundament, founder members. The founder members of it, right, okay. But yeah, be kind of... Yeah, they, they own a lot. Right. And they do private equity firm sort of thing. That's how yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, so effectively they invest uh, money on behalf of other people. So it's so one of the, the big ones that they kind of look at. Um, it's because of like pension funds and other banks' money and other... Other private equity firms. So, a private equity firm may invest in another private equity firms. <laughs> right. Which I always find quite funny. It's, it's almost like you're copying their homework. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just copy it, paste it, and carry on the like normal. You know, you're 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 paid to invest in other people's money. So, how are you going to do that? Well, I want to invest in someone else's yeah. attempts to invest in other people's money. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get there before they do. <laughs> yeah, all these guys know what they're doing. I'll, I'll, I'm going to invest in, in, in that bracket for a product. Yeah. <laughs> it, it worked before, so I'll carry on doing it. Like, yeah. sleep, eat, sleep, and repeat. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> uh, so, I was thinking, like, was it last no last year two, or no two thousand nineteen? So what are we in two thousand? Yeah, so a couple of years ago they putting up us for, up for sale. Was it like? But we haven't heard nothing about that since. Was that more just that. A, trying to Ooh. see what you know what's out there? Or well, I think we should be just at the board of Patterson and it's not really worked out, and, and they they want to get rid. Yeah, I mean the, the thing of it is, is that um, a lot of so the only thing I really find out about that kind of. Ex- explained it was that there was um, an article um, I think it was Forbes that had an article about they were very unhappy with the change in how they're splitting the Premier League splitting their the um, foreign rights so right. foreign rights used to just be the one twentieth split for each club yeah, and that was it but from about the the last TV deal that they've done with the foreign um to become is they've changed how they split it. Right. So there's kind of um the first X amount is still split when each club has a twentieth share. Yeah. And then after that amount, so any more money that they make from the foreign TVs is then split based on league position. Okay, yeah. So it means that the teams high up the table will get more money than the teams low down the table. The better you finish the more money you get sort of thing, yeah. Yes, exactly. So while it's good in a way, it's also bad for the league in general and it's kind of a thing that the Americans don't like in general. Right. If you look at American leagues it's more about um, everyone having a similar income so that well same sort of structure, same wage. Uh, yeah, because what they're looking at is effectively it's not the strength of the individual clubs, but the league itself. Yeah. It's the important thing. So you're a shareholder in the league and yeah. the league is the important thing. The NFL is the important thing. The, kind of the NBA is the important thing. The NHL is the important thing, yeah. not your individual club. And that can kind of work when you're the apex, when you are the kind of the um, highest league, right? Yeah. 
because everyone's kind of you know, if, if you're the Champions League you kind of it it works because effectively everyone wants to play for your team to be able to play at the highest level yeah of course yeah so you, you track the better yeah. players the better everything so yeah and I think the thing is, is that a lot of American business business owners are attracted to the Premier League because from the outside it does look like it's similar where effectively the Premier League itself is quite a strong brand and that that it does split its money more equally than other leagues. Yeah. So I think the Spanish league doesn't split their money anywhere they used to. Yeah. And then they got teams like Valencia. Was it Valencia that won it? Uh, in the 2000s? I, th- I think they won it a couple of times, yeah. If, uh, back, in, back in there. Or there was at least in the top sort of four for many years. Yeah. Like, I think it was like, like 20 years ago when they split it more evenly. Yeah. And then they, they started going down the route of giving more money to the top teams. Yeah, to Barcelona, to uh, Real Madrid. And, and effectively, it kills the league. Yeah. Because the rest of the league then can't challenge. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a very similar thing with the Premier League. It's part of the strength of the Premier League is that clubs like Palace, who are not necessarily the best team in the league, mm. get a lot of money. Yeah. And they get a, a good share of the money from the to then reinvest in the playing side. You look at, like, Look at the amount of players that we've got around our team that have played in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. It's not... whereas, whereas we can kind of afford to spend the same as Ajax on wages. Yeah, we can afford to spend more. We we bring in more. We bring in more money, we, and uh, which is silly. Yeah. Which is crazy for a it. team like Ajax that's won so many Champions League yeah. trophies in their time as well. well yeah, effectively the. They're lacking so far behind now that they're doing the desperate thing of trying to to join the the, the Dutch league and the Belgian league together oh, in order really? to try and make the yeah the, something that they're looking into at the moment is that they're looking to, to join the, the Dutch and the Belgian leagues together to try and be more competitive. Oh wow! To get to get the bigger TV deals. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, it's something that people have talked about for a long time. Yeah. The idea of merging those two leagues—it's it's the same, maybe same kind of uh, argument that we have yearly about the Scottish league joining the English league or, or the Rangers and Celtic. Or so. Now, I guess the thing is with, with, with the Dutch league is you do have the, the bigger Ajax is definitely and fine and probably probably bigger name-wise than any of the Belgian teams. Yeah, but the Belgian teams aren't. Awful, yeah. There's a couple really of good really teams, yeah. yeah. Like the Andalites uh, and that, and again, yeah. yeah. And the idea that they could, could merge together and be a interesting league, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just whether or not they can sell the rights to it outside Belgium and, and the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Sure thing, I suppose, so yeah, with, with the TV money, like if they're not happy with the, the split sort of thing, that that would probably want to push them away because they're not making nowhere near as much as what they originally was planning to beforehand, before that kind of spit with the um, yeah. owners and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so going back to the kind of house and blitz, uh, so, so they might have been a bit annoyed about that and that, but I'm not sure to say that was it. Maybe they're, maybe they're just, just seeing how much money they could get for it and an actual fact, you know, if, if no one came came looking that was a reasonable price they were never going to sell yeah, yeah. I mean, generally speaking I always feel like a football club's an asset that's always for sale because 
<laughs> There's always someone with more money out there that wants to play for him. Well, I think it's the opposite. There's, there isn't many of They're hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So you get the opportunity to get rid of it, you get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. But from a personal point of view, I'd never try and buy one because not that I'd ever be in the position to afford one. But the point is, is that, that there'd be a thing that, that is very difficult to, to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you if you care about what happens after you leave. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because if, if you're a fan of, I think this is where the problem is, if you're a fan of the club as well as a, an owner and yeah. you want, and you know, you need to get rid of because your, your life and well-being is literally your money's going out the back door and it's slowly going and going and the only way you're going to have a livelihood after this is by selling up. To, to stay in, uh, to stay alive in a way that if you like you know your house and whatever if you get rid and you just want to get rid and get rid and you don't really care who it's to and then suddenly your club starts doing terrible you're going to feel really bad but yeah. if you're not a, a fan as such it doesn't really matter you've got your money back that's all that matters you've got you your see, money I, got this, I this, don't this. know I, I think that, that most most people that invest in a football club want it to do well after they leave hmm I, don't, I think it's quite rare that, that, that everything breaks down worse than that the, the, they then hate the club that they used to. The, the, it takes a very. Well, yeah. I guess there's a couple of examples recently where you've had a couple of people that have taken over football clubs like, like at Berry, where. Well, yeah. Yeah. Everything that's gone on there. I, yeah. Wouldn't want, wouldn't wish that on any club, would you? That's the thing. It's not even that form of Stephen Evan, the the name, I can't remember his name now. Effectively, the the former owner that's still technically the owner of the company. Right. And all the kind of things that he's doing there. So, for example, one of the things that they've done is that um, he's kind of letting the, the ground itself kind of go into disrepute so that they can then make it an eyesore so that effectively the council would be more likely to permit flats oh, being built on it. Well, no, no, no. Try and sell the oh, ground. to sell it off, right, okay. Yeah. Right. And, and things like, like that where you kind of got this thing where he, the AFC Burnley um, had so the, the kind of the, the splinter group. The thing with him is he's not letting it die. He's kind of trying to, he's still trying to get money out of it. Right. And Still hanging around, sort of thing. Yeah, it just feels like yeah. So, the, uh, so he owns the copyright to the, but or he think he claims he owns the copyright to the Burnley Crest. The Burnley Crest is do, quite. Do you mean the Berry? Berry Crest. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he could claim he owns the, the Burnley one as he well. Can, if he wants the Burnley one as well, he can claim whatever he <laughs> wants. The, the, the Burnley one is that it's a, it's quite close to what the council's crest is. So it's dubious that he owns it anyway. I think. Right. And, okay. Effectively, he was then suing the FC club for, for using a similar crest to his. Right, so it's almost like it's a town crest already. Yeah, well, it's almost kind of like it's owned by the council. A lot of old football crests were actually just, I think it's like United's one still is, is the crest of the town itself. Yeah. So Wimbledon's one is as well. And when you do that, the actual, the people that own the copyright of it is the town, to the, right. the local council normally. The ones that actually own the, the the badge. Okay, yeah. 
so they can then you have to get permission. I remember very FC Wimbledon there was a there was quite a big thing at the start to try and get Wimbledon like Merton Council to allow them to to use the badge. Okay. Alright. It wasn't I, didn't know that. I must admit I didn't know that about um a lot of football club badges, I must admit. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why a lot of them have have redesigns that are kind of very different from what they're and they want to change it to what the owners sort of reimagine the club to have. Yeah, and and then you can enforce copyright on them as well. Yeah, yeah. Because effectively, yeah. then you've created something different. It's not the same, and and mm. therefore that is your brand, that is your your property. And if someone starts using it who shouldn't be using it, you you in theory you could sue them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is, it's for a lot of things like badges when fans sites use them. While yeah. it's not proper, I can't imagine any. Any club wanting to sue their own yes. fans, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine yeah. the backlash? But yeah, you have had things like with, with um, Man United, they've tried to sue Football Manager because they let the people mod the, the, the game to add the Man United badge. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Man United, they're always up for some sort of legal battle, aren't they? Yeah, which is mad to me because it's not even that they've. Oh, it's just, I mean, I'm. There's other things in there as well. So I think there's things like the, the, they're saying that, that Man United Football Club is obviously Man United, is our Man United Football Club, right. and therefore you should be able. We should, you know, kind of like um, with things like um, there's a lot of games that, that they put replacement names for certain clubs. Yeah, to try and avoid them from being able to see for, for using the name of the club. Yeah. With English teams, that's difficult because they're all kind of very generic. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the Pez days and yes. stuff like that. Some, some brilliant the... names. Yeah, some brilliant names in there. <laughs> but every every football fan that that support that, that watches the Premier League knows which club it is as well. And that's the beauty I of it. I feel like sometimes with the, the Pez ones, they're a bit more niche, and I think they, they took a little bit longer than. Like oh, yeah, it'd probably, it'd take a while what? to figure what? out what they are, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't have the colours, I think <laughs> if they changed up the colours, it might be a bit more difficult for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, they always have the same colour shirts or, or whatever yeah. it is. And, yeah, so it helps a lot. Okay, um, anything more about your article? I can't think of. I think we covered it all in all that. Yeah, uh, should we take a, another break? And then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about your most fun Palace Eleven. Yeah, let's go. Yeah? yeah. Okay, we'll come back for part three in a second. Okay, welcome back to part three. Uh, time to talk about Chris's most fun Palace Eleven. Uh, yeah, and okay. I thought that we will do Mark's one next week. We would do, we do it next part? week. I'll probably need a... Maybe I look for again. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that how long you said? How long were you looking at it? I, just... I started it at one o'clock, and I think I finished looking at it at like five, half five. You're taking this way too serious. Ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, we've had so many fun players to watch over the years. I was trying to make it a. I, I couldn't even do a, a four at the back. I had to go with three at the back because we had so, we've had so many midfielders and wingers throughout the years. I had to narrow it down to my favourites slash, you know, a bit of bias with some of the players. I've left well, out a lot of ones as well, which I kind of wish I 
had enough space in there as well, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, the, the one position I actually struggle with, and I'll start with, is goalkeeper. No, no. See, I, that's, that was the one that was top on the list before I even thought about it. No, because the idea is something fun, and goalkeepers aren't, how goalkeepers aren't fun. There, I mean, you've got one goalkeeper that stands out to be extremely fun, though. Surely, it's it's got to be. You've got to have the same goalkeeper as me, hopefully. Well, I've gone for the kind of early Sproni because I never knew whether or not he was going to go out for corners or not. <laughs> I used to find that incredibly like nerve wracking and fun. <laughs> Do you remember he used to be his first couple of seasons? He'd be great at shop stuff, but occasionally he would just do things like, "Oh, don't do that! Don't yeah, do don't that. do that!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially the first year in the Premiership. <laughs> and. Was, uh, yeah, it's surprising like, how uh, how brilliant he became for us, really, wasn't it? After seeing the first couple of years, you just think, get out, check it out. And he just got better and better and better as the years went on. <laughs> he did, he did. He was very much learning, still learning his game when he, when he first came over. I think if he's, we forget he was still quite relatively... Yeah, kind of new to the... Well, especially to English football. I mean, playing for, in the Scottish League for Dundee. I don't think he was at Dundee for that long, though, was he? Was there two, for like a... two, three years? No, not even three years. I think yeah. two years, maybe. Just over. Yeah. So I think that, that was... So, so who's your obvious choice, then? Because I'm guessing it's not the same. No, but it's the same season he came in, though. It's Gabba Karate. Novelty jogging balls. No, it's not... do you not remember the times that <laughs> at some corner flags and he tried to take down Ruth and destroy shorts? <laughs> oh, yeah, he did it to that. a few other players as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot about that. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> that's that's the only one I'm going to give away on mine on the, my team until next week. But yeah, I literally that was the first thing that popped in my mind because I remember being at that game, seeing behind the like the upper tier, I think, and then seeing it happen. I was like, what? 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 what, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what, what have you uh, what have you got have you got a 4-4-2 what have you got I've got a formation in a bit because it kind of um, oh, let's start with the full back so I think I'm going, going for Mambasaka right back just because I just love seeing him slide tackle people yeah yeah and that, that thing where he would he would he'd almost give them enough rope to hang themselves yeah so he'd, he'd make them think yeah, it almost looked like he, he was kind of like, right, you know, a lesser player, you kind of you show them to one side. Yeah. And he was like doing the opposite. He was like, right, I want you to attack. I want you to try and pass me here. And then that's it, I want to slide as soon as you, you make your move. Yeah. It's something, it, 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 it was just some really beauty fun. to watching him do that little slide tackles all the time. Yeah, yeah and even going forward, he wasn't necessarily the, a player that, that was... That great game. I mean, he would. He would go up there, yeah. Especially depending on who he had in front of him as well. Like if he had someone like Wilf in front of him every now and then, then it, them two of them together up the the wings. Like if Wilf did, did lose it, you just know Wampasaka's there, and he's got he most probably get the ball back. Yeah. And then the other fullback. I mean, I'm going to go with um, PVA just because he's like Sky Forward. <laughs> What's going forward? Just one on ones. Mm. How does he get so many one on ones? Please, he's, he's supposed to be playing like left back, so he's, he's supposed to be on on the the wing. Yeah, 
at the back. He's, uh, he's probably uh, the least likely position to, to get regular run-on-ones, but he gets... He doesn't finish all of them. No. But he does. He gets up there. When you think about he, he, the amount of times he ends up one-on-one with the goalkeeper, you're like, he has no right. I think at, the, at this rate with PVA, we're going to speak about him every, every podcast, though, aren't we? It's now the third one in the row. He's your favourite, Mark. He's in your shrine. <laughs> it's very true. He's, he is fun to watch uh, going forward, though, Like when he gets up there. It's just getting back that just annoys me. <laughs> uh, the next one's going to be Clint Hill. Oh, okay. Mr. Beast. Beast mode is... I absolutely loved watch. So that Walnut team for a while wasn't fun to watch, mm. but one of the fun things that, 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 that did happen that was fun was when Palace were de- were defending. I would just watch him. I wouldn't watch what was going on with the ball, <laughs> and like a ball go over the top, and he just he had this sixth sense to know that the the lines was not looking at me, the refs not looking at me, flooring. Yeah, yeah, and he did it so regularly, and no one ever. Noticed it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Every time we had we were on Sky, Sky would point out, oh, after a corner, but oh, so and so should have had a penalty. Yeah, and he'll check out this guy. (laughs) (laughs) How do we actually give away a penalty? Yeah, not many times, to be honest. Not many times. So, but when he first came into us, he was playing left back for a bit, wasn't he, as well? And then he moved into the back. (laughs) But yeah, he was always going to be that kind of that. Tramere. He was at Tramere and Stoke, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think we got him from Stoke, Stoke. Think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but he, before that, he was at Tramere when they were, like, second tier. Yeah. And that was... Yeah, it's just that kind of that rough kind of... kind of career and he ended up at Palace and it's like... I just loved how... Sort of watching him. Yeah. Taking people out and never getting caught. <laughs> It wasn't that he was taking people out, it was the fact that he just so rarely got caught for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was definitely something. And obviously, the Sheffield Wednesday hero, uh, like, sort of like the Hillsborough hero. Oh, sort of yeah. with, the, with the fight at the end, or the, literally surrounded by thousands of supporters. Oh, dude. <laughs> that was so that I think everyone's going to remember as a Palace fan, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy, really, that. Yeah. He didn't but he was, shit. He, he was quite up for just going for everyone. <laughs> yeah, he, he went so effectively to yeah, so the, the, he was with the, the Palace fans celebrating and he looked around he didn't realise. He was he on his own. Realize, realize, yeah. yeah, he was on his own. <laughs> and the, I think the thing was the other side of the pitch, wasn't it? The the tunnel. He was the other, the other side of the pitch. Yeah. He asked the shit whether or not he, he could have some help and then I thought he couldn't go home. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, all right. so, so he wants to get back into the dressing room and, and yeah he, he thought the way he's, he's got to do it is punch his punch way through his way through and like run and sort of well actually it wasn't really a run it was a, a brisk jog <laughs> he was loving yeah, it yeah well yeah <laughs> the pitch though you can't yeah take it after a match like <laughs> anyway yeah well yeah exactly he, he was probably well it's got to be 30 like probably 32 33 at the time would have thought when he was with us I don't know, actually. I, I, he's the one that carried on for a long time, didn't he? He carried on for a few years at QPR after, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think he was, he was huge. I think he always, maybe he just always looked old because he'd grown up yeah, rough. <laughs> maybe he had a few odd years or so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the next centre back is going to be Claude Davies. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Similar reasons. <laughs> yes, <but laughs> the warm-ups were just so much. I, I used to enjoy just watching him. Yeah, on the warm-ups, they used to run this drill where one of the they would do headers, and effectively, one of them will stand in front of the other one, and you have to go from behind to win the header. Yeah, so they throw loop a ball in, and you have to kind of, and it's like the most half-hearted drill, but. It's kind of just a, you know one of those kind of drills that they do. Yeah, and his face during that drill was just—he was getting more and more annoyed that he couldn't just clobber the person in front of him and get yeah. that ball. Yeah, you you would <laughs> never know if he was going to take someone out, but didn't really care if the referee saw or not. It, yeah, he no, had he, the red he, mist he all the time. Yeah. All the time he had the red mist. <laughs> he was a very aggressive. He was extremely aggressive. <laughs> Like it was, it was fun to watch sometimes, but then you think to yourself, "Oh God!" Didn't help getting results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, he had his he had his moments where it would be a top quality tackle every now and then, and you think, "Oh, this guy's brilliant!" And then suddenly, whack, and someone's ten foot in the air. You think, "What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> And I think the, the next one, the long is going to be going to go for in centre midfield and go for Akiyalate. Brilliant player. I think everyone's sort of one of everyone's top of list for favourite centre midfielders all time for Palace. I think workhorse. Yeah, right. and just running around slide tackles. Yeah, and he's going to have to do a lot of running around the slide tackles. Yeah, lot, for... yeah big engine on him as well. <laughs> <laughs> Covering for PBA. <laughs> well, if he's playing in that team, yeah, he'd be sliding all over the shop. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be also be a lot of red cards. So you'd be down to nine men already. <laughs> yeah, I think red cards might be a problem for this team. <laughs> <laughs> and then effectively on either ring, I think I'll go for for kind of Wilf and Yannick Balassi. Yeah. And constantly swapping. Yeah. Because that's the general thing I just always love. His players are constantly swap wings. Yeah, at least like Track. try and confuse the defenders and swap it up a little bit so <laughs> the defenders don't remember how they managed you before because they've just had to go against someone else. Yeah, and it's just changing it up all the time just to see who, who you match up best against. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's generally always both of them together. Just just a joy to watch when. Think back on it. Oh, like, some of the best, all the, the best win play we've ever seen. I think. Yeah. Like, they were the, deadly. Mm. Although with Yannick, it was also incredibly fun just watching him try and shoot from distance. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until he got into the Premier League where you think to yourself, "Wow, this guy is just you don't know what he's doing, but." It will put, he would pull it off nine times out of ten sometimes, and you think, wow! Yeah. And he got better, and he got better, and he got better, and he got better every time he was stepped on the field. Yeah, yeah the thing growing confidence while he was at the club. Mm. Yeah, big time. Like, I, I, I still do you remember those shots whenever he used to shoot, and they've been they go above like the, the family stand. Yeah, they go above everywhere. It's him. These <laughs> long shots were terrible at times. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, no, no, at no point did 
I just want. I would like to know actually what, what was going on there, whether or not in training he was scoring them. Yeah. So he feels like oh, I need to keep on doing this because eventually I'll score eventually, some goals. Eventually, yeah, one will go in, sort of thing. Yeah, or if it was just a thing that that, that, that no one could talk him out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't shoot from distance. Don't shoot. You, you, anytime you shoot from distance, it seems to go. Yeah. Go horribly wrong. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Well, if you're worried if you do that, it's just going to ruin his confidence and he's not going to do the fun things. Well, this this could be it, actually. A lot of the players, when we had him, had been playing with him since like, he came to the club. So they probably knew that he was a confidence boy and was like, even, let him do his thing. Even, even in the first season, he, shot from, from dis- he, he would shoot from distance quite regularly and it would be horrible. Yeah, yeah. I used to think, like, well, it took him a while if, to if was, bring him to the team, though, didn't it, as well? Like to cement his place because I remember the well, he wasn't in the um, player final first team. He came on off the bench. No, I think that was just, just a kind of a form thing, and that was him and kind of Holloway. Mm. Like he he was he was playing very regularly towards the end I when Holloway that. came in. He was definitely playing week in week out because that the partnership of him Murray and Sahal were fantastic. But yeah. I don't I don't just don't remember him playing before that a lot of first team games like he was coming obviously off the bench a lot don't remember him being when, when are you talking about Mark? Uh, the, the start of that season start of the season so we signed him for, was it three weeks in yeah yeah and then he, he went straight just, in didn't he uh, I just can't remember I just remember him not it... being in there straight away and then it finally got him in there he's like oh wow these these two Zaha and Blassie work really well together yeah I don't know if that was uh, December time, November time, or what. If that was just in New Year, I can't remember. I don't know. Remember, Freeman left quite early on. Yeah, it's about I think November. December. I think November, yeah, November, December, or something like that. Yeah. So again, yeah, it was definitely playing and starting doing well before then. Right. Yeah, because yeah, he was only that's my point actually. He was only Freeman's manager. Freeman was only his manager for a couple of months, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Not long. Not long. And then well, I've got a kind of three players that, that had quite a partnership together, really. Okay. So, so Freeman, Morrison and, and Kowalski. Oh, the Bruce years. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, months. Well, yeah, months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, was he there? Eight months, if that? Yeah. Oh, the thing that is... When do you start counting from his first game or from when he <laughs> from first when he signed? Because like, yeah, like, sometimes July like, or something. Yeah, it's like, well, he's not done anything yet. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> true. still a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That that was a that was that was good to watch actually. Yeah, Kowalski was a an absolute baller. I've seen him play like that before. It was like it was crazy. It was it was crazy because I think didn't we get him from Borussia Dortmund? I think wasn't it? He had played for. Or he played for Dortmund and then came from someone else via Dortmund. Or I don't think he came directly from Dortmund. I don't know. I don't think he really played for them. I think he was just there and had a couple of bench. I think he was. Can't remember actually. I might have to look look that one up actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think player, he had, really. Yeah. I don't know if he was there for um, a long time, what? Because I can't remember. No, because I think he was at Man United before that. And then yeah, he started his work at, um, yeah, he started at Man United. And um, I think as a youth player, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and I felt he had fallen to his work, work permit, so he had to go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's it, yeah. He went from Man United to Borussia Dortmund. He played 20, 20 games for Dortmund, actually. Oh, and, and then went to Cologne. And then um, Sporting. We got him from Sporting Lisbon. Of <laughs> <laughs> all the places, we got him from Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, yeah, he kind of went downhill from that. Birmingham, LA Galaxy, Colorado Rapids, San Jose, Earthquakes and Mets Galaxy. So, yeah. Unusual crew, really. Yeah, strange one, like. And at the time when he went to Borussia Dortmund, uh, 96, that would have been around about the time they won the Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's like 96, 97. Yeah, yeah. So, well... Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that was a weird one. I just, to be honest, I didn't think we got him from sport in Lisbon. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Him, yeah, their their free partnership, all three of them, and when in them in them months, we were flying. We was absolutely yeah. flying, weren't we? Yeah, brilliant just, to watch. It was. I, I still think it's the the best cup like, with two three months. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe how it ended. Yeah, I can't believe how it ended. And that's the worst thing about that. Yeah. It's a shame. And the thing is, compare that kind of football to what Steve Bruce is now famous for, for playing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Works in the championship, clearly. No, no, but the thing about it, like, we were playing quite decent football. We were playing three at the back. Mm. And Bruce went through a, a real phase of playing three at the back. And yeah. then he did that at Birmingham as well, didn't he? Did it for a bit, yeah. And, but then he changed the four, didn't he? Because he ended up playing... Um, uh, what's his name? Is it Clements or something? The left back. And he started going yeah. to the four at the back, and that's why. I think that's how they play now at Newcastle. And it was, you know, he's done it throughout his years in football management. He's obviously worked, and that's why he keeps getting the jobs. But I think the Newcastle team at the moment, I think they're just lacking a bit of everything, and injuries doesn't help. Just oh yeah, I've not watched enough Newcastle this year to really make a comment on. Mm. What's going on there? Yeah, it's just. I think it's just similar to us. They miss their fans. They miss playing that extra kind of um the the extra pump yeah, they yeah, get from the fans guess, being there. I think same with us. Also, just generally, though, the whole kind of it is sometimes it feels like it is a training game, and yeah, when you're watching it on TV, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's not the same as it with their stupid crowd noises. The thirty seconds behind after a shot. <laughs> the players don't hear that. It's in the no, stadium, it's just, it's just it's just yeah, it's completely dead to them. It's just the all they hear is their coaches, isn't it? But, yeah, the failure to. You hear only this on all the grounds. Yeah. <laughs> you say it loud. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just screams all game. <laughs> so that was your Palace 11 then? Yeah. The four, fun the, your, fun, your fun 11, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't seriously put this out in a line-up. I think it might. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a fun one to watch, but it'd be also a lot of cards during the game. Yeah. You think we all remember Real Artie. Real Artie didn't get a lot of cards, but when he did, he did crunch the player to get that card. <laughs> and say so we'd like, well, you know, Claude Davis, well, he was vulnerable to getting anything card-wise. <laughs> I vaguely remember him getting quite a few cards. Yes, he did. I remember, I think, I remember seeing him getting sent off once, I think. And yeah. 
I can't remember if I actually saw what he did. I had to wait to the replays. I was like confused what the hell happened. And it was a, I think it was a mini kind of brawl happening. I was like, what the hell happened? I just saw this guy's on the floor and David's is over him. I was like, oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. That's one of the things I miss about watching football in person. The idea, like, you see a player getting sent off and you have no idea what they've done. Yeah. But you're still adamant that it's not worth a sending yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. You be looking around, it's like, what happened? What happened? No, it's not sending off. But what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surely it's not red card, but what happened? <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have to be screens uh, at the football grounds to see sometimes if they show it or not. But you know, other times it's probably best not to watch it again. <laughs> was it the FA Cup game where where a player got sent off for opening Luke or something? It's a VAR thing that we had. They didn't show us the replay of, of the player why the player got sent off, and everyone was like, "What on earth has happened?" I can't remember. It's the VAR things. Yeah, but it was nice. before it, before it became a common thing in the Premier League. Right. So I think we were at home against the champ. It might be like a team below the championship. It was when we had that run with what when we got knocked out by Watford. Oh right. I think someone elbowed Luke or something. Um... Uh, it, was, it was like a bad one, but no one saw it in real time. It was only got flanked together. Well, they, they, yeah, and they, ran, and they they didn't show the replay or anything, and they didn't even give you like a, a notification of what it was. Yeah, you just saw that the referee give him a red card, and he was like, "What? <laughs> what happened?" Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Half time, we get it on our phones or something. Yeah, you look it up and see what actually happened. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I've noticed that with a few different things when it comes to VAR, though, is they. Sometimes you'll see it and you're like, oh, oh, I'm not sure about that. But then you think, oh, that, that's probably a red card. You'll see a couple of replays and you think, yeah, that's the red card. Then VAR won't sort of show you their view of it. Like, yeah. you think yourself, what's going on here? And then it'd just be like, nothing happens and they won't show it again. And you just won't hear about it. The commentators be signing on it as well. It's almost like the commentators been like, stop talking about it. Done, stunt, sharp. Don't don't make a big figure out of it. So and yeah. that kind of grinds my gears a little bit when I see that on TV sort of thing. When you're just thinking, what the hell's happening? <laughs> There's no one telling us anything. What's happened? <laughs> well, I do think it, it, it it would be good to have the referees and the players mic'd up. Yeah. Well, I think the referees should be mic'd up. Like not so much the players because I think having that on their body, oh, it's, it's a it's a physical game. No, not like yeah. not even just to like cut out the swearing because you'll get that with all the players. But the thing you do, I think this is the online feed of it. You can just have a. I think a having replay all the feed. is probably for the best because at least with the ref, the players probably might be more kind of stopped in their tracks to go up to the ref's f and blind and to him because they know someone's and everyone that's watching the game of football is listening. Yeah, uh, but, but I think it will help the abuse if, if they. Yeah, I think also if they know people at with... home are listening to what they're saying, it would stop yeah. them. But having it... the players mic themselves, I don't think so. I think just having it on the referee would do. Because they've got the mic anyway there, haven't they? Yeah. The referees just need to it's, it's challenge it. Give them, give them like, yeah, access to it. Yeah, yeah. And let them record it. And the thing is, you can do it in a way that that is only for replays. 
all them yeah. explaining things, you know, it's not, yeah. even like, let them mic up to like the NFL refs, let them um, mic up to the stadium and just make yeah. an announcement. Explain what the reason they've sent them off or something. Yeah. Or the, but, what the decision is, sort of thing, yeah. One thing just, one thing's like, on like the rugby, at least on the rugby, you can, you hear what they're looking for. Yeah. Like on, on a, it would be good to, they go to, to the VAR sort of thing. Yeah, so, so what they do in, uh, for the kind of, um, what is it called, TMO? Referee will ask yeah. that, will often ask them like direct questions. It's like, did they ground the ball correctly? Did this yeah. happen? Did, and then he'll get them to, to check. Yeah. Well, there's, the, a fact, yeah. there's a, actually a brilliant video of an Australian football game um, where, where that happened. The whole game, the referee's mic's up and it was recorded this whole game and it was brilliant to listen to, actually. And I don't know why we haven't tried to adapt that <laughs> as well. There's a couple of things. I mean, one of the things that they've said about it is that the referees themselves aren't keen. Yeah, because it just tells you that they're wrong then. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it's more their union rather than necessarily the referees themselves. I think some mm. probably splits opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it, it will show their faults in the game more, I think. But it but, could also uh, help them out a lot as well. Also, I think... The it, thing. The, the way we've got to look at it is a different way of looking at it. I think the, the, when it comes to refereeing, then it almost needs to be um, a change of kind of tact. Because a lot of time, it, part of the reason why certain decisions are kind of are controversial is, is yeah. because people not don't necessarily know all the rules. Yeah. And there's a problem in, in kind of um, perception. And when right. if things like the rules change all, all the time, there's always little tweaks to it. Like, yeah, especially this year as well. well just, yeah, every year, even things like do you remember when they changed the offsides? You could be offside. You could have a offside free kick in your own half. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember how every time that happens, everyone yeah, says gets that annoyed. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And, and now. And that still goes on. I, bet you I do think, think, though, with because of VAR, back then when that was happening, we the the commentators or the people in the studio would never talk about it, so you didn't hear about it as much. But now, literally everything, if there's a rule change, it's a 15 minute talk on the commentary people yeah, about well, that rule for, now. The, for the first time. Mm. But if you miss that first game, yeah, then they then yeah. the, the, they don't mention it again. So That's much. very true. Yeah. They, they, it, it'd be mentioned but not wait, nowhere near as much as what it was in the first time yeah yeah and the use of examples as well things like when it happens in real life you can then talk about it and mm. I don't think they quite got the hang of having a referee like BT has like a referee on the side and they ask some questions yeah, I yeah. Like useless it's, it's, absolutely useless Peter Warren so it's like often it's not necessarily describing the rules. It, it, he he's there to tell you that, that he, he thinks the referee's done the right thing. Yeah, because almost it, uh, almost every time as well, the referee's done the right thing until they're try, they've been proven otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's just so dumb. Well, I'd, I'd love in that role. It's like I get Neil Warnock, Warnock to do the. He's <laughs> a qualified referee. Good old be Colin. Great. It'd be Good great. old Colin. Imagine a real Warnock ref in a football match. Oh, that'd be amazing. He does it for charity games, but I just like um, 
the um, if they do it in a way that that um, he's the the, the pundit yeah. doing the refereeing things. So if oh, okay. they have a referee problem, they they give him a call, hmm. and he, he says whether or not he thinks it's a free kick or not. That could work. I could imagine the the words that come out of his mouth though. <laughs> the thing is, though, being being a manager of uh, being a manager in general, he, that is, he's probably clued up to all these rules anyway. It, well, he should be clued up to all these rules anyway, well, so he knows what the rule would be anyway at that time. Well, he's, he's a qualified referee. referee. He should do. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. a qualified referee. Yeah. He's done all done kind of exams, stuff, yeah. Or whatever it is, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the funny thing is, I think you can probably do it. And you don't even have to have him in the studio. He'll just be watching the game anyway. Just what he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless, unless he's managing a team at the time. <laughs> yeah, be, be... He'd be on the, on the sidelines with his phone out. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be that many times in a day. <laughs> <laughs> just be his own, it'd be his own game, though. That'd be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, should we wrap it up then? I think so, yeah. So. Yeah. So this has been For the Love of Palace. I've been Mark. I've been Chris. I've been Chris. And yeah, that is it. And uh, hopefully, give it a listen to everyone. Hopefully, you got to the end. And yeah, share it away if you do. All right. Have a good night. That's it. Bye. See you. Bye.